Bokatov, and welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim Adafiyomi. We are now in Masachet Yivamot Avkuf Yod Gimel, Amud Bet, uh, near the top of the Amud, uh, the word Nishtatet. And as promised, this is the second half of the uh, Perak, uh, the whole Perak being done in two, uh, two podcasts. And so we will be referring back all the time to the Mishnayot that represent the beginning of the Perak. The first Mishnah indicated that if a... Uh, if a man married a woman and then nishtatet, she became, uh, she lost her mind, as it were, then he cannot divorce her, as opposed to if she became a chersha, and this is what we discussed in the last podcast, why the distinction, but now we're going to talk about the status of a shota herself, somebody of diminished mental capacity, and why she cannot be divorced. We're going to see that there's really three gradations here. I'm going to be Torah, Kereshet. Yitzchak says that Mida Oraita a Shota can be divorced. Just like a naval woman can be divorced without her consent. You don't need this woman's dot, and therefore dot doesn't play a role, and therefore the Shota is not diminished in any way vis-a-vis divorce. So why did Chachamim say she can't be divorced? Because here you have a woman who was capable, something happened, a trauma, she lost her mind, and now if she's sent out, not protected by her husband, then she's going to be abused and taken advantage of by all sorts of lowlifes. So now, Hechidami, what's, what's her, what level of diminished capacity is she? If she's somebody who can also hold on to her get. And it's also capable of, uh, of saying no to men and of, and of, uh, and of protecting herself. So, then there's no concern. You know, this is somebody of fairly high functioning retarded, if you will. Uh, people are not going to take advantage of her. Must be somebody who really can't protect herself, can't hold on to a get, really has no concept of, uh, of protection or of possession. So, how can you say that Midoraita, she can be Midgaresh? The pasuk number one on the page was the pasuk about Gittin. Says he writes her a get and gives it in her hand. She has to be somebody who at least has a yad, has some sort of uh, power uh, to to be mitgaresh. She doesn't have a yad. You have to give it in her hand, a hand that can hold on to it, and that can can in some way protect it. We have another reason. After send her away from the house, has to be somebody that if you send her away, she doesn't come back. She understands that she's not living there anymore. She understands things are different. As opposed to this one who doesn't get it, and you send her away, and she keeps coming back. So, she's not in the parsha of divorce. So, so we find a middle category. What's Rabbi Yitzchak talking about? Somebody who can hold on to their get, her get. She understands that she's divorced, and therefore, she, she can be divorced. But she can't protect herself. She doesn't know how to say no to people. She doesn't understand what they mean. And therefore, Because she can hold on to her get. But the Rabbanon said, you can't divorce her. Because then she's going to become taken advantage of. Now, Abayi says, if you look in the Mishnah, you can see, if you read it carefully, you can see this principle. In the case of the woman, it says, if she becomes uh, of diminished mental capacity, then you can't divorce her. The Gabe di David, in the context of the man, it says that he becomes a Cheresh or Nishtateh, Lo Yotzi Olamit, he can never be Motzi. What's the difference between he can't be Motzi and he can't be Motzi forever? So, 
that when it says you can't be motzi olamit, you could never be motzi, that means this is a hard and fast rule. She's uh, just not in the parsh anymore. When he says lo yotzi, it means you can't take, you can't push her out because midrabanan. It's not nice. So that means that the that we're even covering the woman who is able to be shomer taget but can't be shomer tatzma. She doesn't know how to leave the household, as it were, and then enamit kareshit. Good. At the end of that first Mishnah, Rabbi Yochum and Nuri challenged the Rabbanan and said, how come if she becomes a Cheresh, you can divorce her, but if he becomes a Cheresh, you can't divorce? So now, Ibayaluhu, Rabbi Yochum and Nuri, Ish Pshitalei, which, which one of these did he agree with? Was it obvious to him that a man cannot divorce if he's become a Cheresh? And he was wondering why a woman can't become divorced, uh, 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 is able to be divorced. If she's a cheresh, Odilma, maybe it's the opposite. Isha pshitale. Maybe he says, I understand why you say a woman can can be divorced. Ishrim Bailey, but I don't understand why you think a man cannot. In other words, is Rabbi Yochum and Nuri taking the position that a cheresh is competent? And therefore he doesn't understand why if a man becomes a cheresh he can't divorce? Or is he taking the position that a cheresh is so incompetent that he doesn't understand why a woman may be divorced? Toshma, so now we get insight into how the connection between Mishnah Bet and Mishnah Aleph. It's important to note, in Mishnah Bet, we have a testimony of Yochum and Gudgoda. But his testimony was taken from Asachat Eduyot, and as we saw in the Gemara, it was half of a larger testimony about a Chereshit and also about a Tana eating Truma. Evidently, Rabbi Yochum and Nuri was quoting that in Mishnah Bet, and, uh, and that's why the Chachamim's response, Bazeh, is really responsible for Yochum and Nuri, as we'll see. Toshpam in the the Rabbanan answered back to him when he asked why the distinction. He said, He said, a man divorcing is not like a woman who's being divorced. A woman can be divorced whether she wants to or not. We don't need her dot. But the man, we need his uh, consent and his awareness. In other words, it sounds like Yochum and Nuri was challenging about the man and saying, why do you need the man's dot? So Adaraba, it's the opposite. Because at the end of Mishnah Bet, when he quoted Yochan ben Kudgoda, the first half of his edut, about the Chereshet, and, and the Chacham said, yes, that's the exact same case. She was divorced um, with, with a get. What he was asking about was, why can't a woman... Uh, why, why is a woman able to be divorced? And, and, um, and, uh, the idea was because there the Kedushin were Doraita, because the father married her off. And so the answer is, no, that's exactly our case. The reality is, Rabbi Yochamanuri is saying, I don't buy this whole picture, but I'm asking according to your approach. According to me, just like a man cannot divorce if he is a Cheresh, meaning he was Pikech when he got married, and then he became a Cheresh. A woman also cannot be, because evidently Rabbi requires some level of cooperation and, and intellection on the part of the woman in a get. But according to you, who say that the woman can be divorced, so he thinks it should be consistent, and therefore he thinks that the man should also be able to divorce with this diminished mental capacity of a cheresh. The answer no, it's not the same. That the man is the active player, and he needs to have full awareness. The woman has to have minimal awareness, just more than a shota. Good, so then we quote a Mishnah Bet, where Rabbi Yochum ben Gudgoda had testified, and that was quoted evidently by Rabbi Yochum Nuri, had testified about the Chereshet, that her father married her off, that she later was divorced to beget. From his testimony, we find the following. 
A man is going to divorce his wife who's a katana. He turns, to, or not a katana, he turns to the Edim and says, see, it's a get. Then he turns to her. She didn't hear that. And then she says, hold on to this document for me. It's a star chov. I need to collect money from it. She doesn't know what it's written on it. It's good gerushim. How do we know that? Didn't Rabbi Yochum and Gugora agree that we don't need her dot because he testified that this girl is a chereshet. And she had full kiddushin daraita because her father married her off. Nonetheless, she can accept the full get. So therefore, we don't need her dot at all. So if you give the woman a piece of paper that's really a get and tell her it's a ticket to a ball game somehow, then it's fine. So pshita, our comment to Rava is not, how do you know that? It's, it's obvious. The Rava's case is not so obvious because since the guy said to her afterwards, take the Shtarchov, maybe he was canceling the get and he was saying, hold on to this document for me, really as a Shomer. Kamash Malan, therefore Rava's teaching us that in a case like that, we don't assume he's changed his mind because if really he had changed his mind, he would go back to the Adim and say that star that I told you before was a get really isn't a get. I'm I'm not using it as a get. The fact he didn't correct the Adim, obviously he didn't he didn't cancel anything. So why did he say to her take the star Why didn't he say openly it's a get? He was embarrassed. He didn't want to make her feel bad. He couldn't face her for whatever reason. So he said ah, take the star and walks away. And then the Beit Din informs her she's divorced. Now we're going to get into a relatively long, relative for this parak, long discussion about the role of a katan. And it's a backdoor discussion that's going to take us into cases um, um, 1, 2, and 3 of the six cases in Mishnah Dalad. lost the, the keys to the Beit Midrash for Shutar Abim Shabta. They were somewhere in the public domain and they were on Shabbat and he couldn't find them. And, of course, it wouldn't help if he found them, because how would he get them to the Beit Midrash? He can't carry. He came to Rabbi Padat. Rabbi Padat gave him advice. It said, Go take a young boy or girl. Tell them to go take a walk over there. Just tell them to take a walk. Because if they find keys, they're going to bring them back to you. All right, so now, what did Rabbi Padat obviously maintain? That if a young child, if a child, is uh, is violating the law in this case? In the case uh, that we're talking about is Chilul Shabbat, but in the in the index case is a katan is eating tray food. The Beit Din doesn't have any obligation to separate to to stop him. Which means here you have a katan walking through the 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 brushut carrying keys. You don't have to stop him, and he can help you out. So perhaps we have support for that position. To the, from the following. You shouldn't say to a kid on Shabbos, "Go bring me a key. Go bring me a seal." You leave the kid, but if the kid is doing something like uprooting, or he's throwing the thing to you, you don't stop him. Right? So that seems to support the idea that even if a kid is being Mechal Shabbat, like in the case of Rabbi Padat, you let him do it. You don't tell him to, but on the other hand, you don't have to stop him. And if you really need the keys, you can take the kid for a walk, let the kid walk on his own, or if he finds it, knowing he'll bring him back, you don't have to stop him. So Amr Abai, Abai says, no, that's not a proof, because Perhaps the the case there where you're where you're told is we're uprooting a plant is talking about uprooting a plant from a potted plant that does not have a hole in the bottom of it. One little digression. There are many areas of halacha 
where uh, the association between a potted plant and the ground is significant in Shubat Masrot and in Shabbat and in Shemitah. And if you have an atzitz, it's a pot, that does not have a hole in the bottom, that means that it's, all of its nutrients are coming from the dirt that it's in the pot, which means it's not coming out of the ground, and that is totally shmidrabonon. If somebody has a tomato plant growing in a vegetable bed that's totally disconnected from the ground, and he uproots it on Shabbat, that's an isudrabonon. So Abayah says, yeah, what are we talking about when we say allow the kid to uproot, allow the kid to throw? He's talking about uprooting from an atzitzin or nakuv, and zorik becharmelit drabonon, he's throwing in an area that is asurbindrabonon to carry in, an alleyway, a backyard, something like that, an unknown backyard. So, we still don't know from that does not prove that if a child is violating an isudoraita in public, we allow him to continue, we don't stop him. Toshma, another proof. If there's a fire on Shabbos, you're not allowed to, to, to extinguish the fire. A guy comes to put out the fire. You don't tell him put it out, you don't tell him don't put it out. You're not responsible for his actions on Shabbat. You let him do whatever he wants to do. Katana, there are more solutions that we studied in Masachat Shabbat. What to do when you have a terrible fire? Katan habalichbot. If a kid, kid, a Jewish kid comes to put out the fire, omrimlo al tachabet. Sheshvita tolem. You tell him not to put out the fire because, after all, you're responsible for his actions. Well, if that's the case, then we see that you're not allowed to let a katan violate a doraita. So riochanan beosel dataviv. Ah, this is talking about a kid who's only going to do what his father tells him. So, in other words, he's going because evidently his father told him go put out the fire. So you got to tell him not to because now he's operating based on his father's words. Now, if that's the case, the chavatega b'avid kochavim do'osel dat Yisrael mishari. So what we're paralleling is the katan, who was acting based on his father's direction, and the goy. What's the parallel to that? Must be acting on an adult Yisrael's, an Yisrael's direction also, and that's not mutar. You're not allowed to tell a goy to put out the fire for you on Shabbat. There's hints. There's ways to say it. So the answer is Ovid Kocham Adatid Nafshiavid. This Ovid Kocham is an adult. He's acting on his own. If a Jew said, "Please come and put out the fires like that," he's still doing it on his own. He's not under your under your purview, as opposed to your own kid who is. So from here, we don't really have a proof in either direction. Toshma. So the following: Ben Chaver, meaning there's a a boy whose father is a Talmud Chacham. He's a member of the Collegium, and therefore they eat at each other's homes uh, based on the fact that they're all careful about Shuvat Masrot and about uh, and about Tuma Vatahara. Now his mother is not about Tamil Chacham. His mother's father is an Amaret, somebody who's not that careful about these laws. So he's allowed to go there, and we're not concerned that he's going to eat things that don't have, aren't Musar. If you find Perot in his hands, Zakuklo. You don't have to do anything like separate Shumotamasur from them. You don't have to say, ooh, you came from grandfather's house and he's not careful, right? And you don't have to take them away from him, you can let him eat. Which means it sounds like we're allowing a kid to eat stuff that we assume is not mu'usar, a violation da'oraita, possibly, and we're not doing anything about it. So, ah, remember that we assume art do separate shumotamasrot. We have a chashash because some of the few of them don't, so we instituted the law of demai. But really, it's not as if we know for sure that this is tavel. So now you're going to turn it around and say the only reason that we allow this kid to do it is because it's demai. If we knew for sure that it wasn't separated, we wouldn't allow him to eat it. We'd force separation. Ah, if you go back to the story about the putting out the fire, Rabbi Yochanan himself was the one who said, only when the kid is operating on his own father's directive do you have to stop him from violating the law. But 
Here Rabbi Yochanan says that it seems to imply that if it was Vadai Tevel, even if he wasn't operating on his father's directive, you have to separate him. So which is it? So the answer is Rabbi Yochanan, Tzfuki Masafka, Rabbi Yochanan is himself in doubt about what the proper approach is. Kai Madchi, if he, when he's taking one position, and he's, uh, and it should we say, when he's engaging one position, he rejects it. In other words, the position that a Katan operating, uh, on his own, uh, has to be separated. He, he pushes it away by saying, no, let's talk about when he's operating on his father's directive. Kai Hacha, when he's engaging the other position, which is when the Katan is operating, uh, on his own, he, uh, sorry, he was operating as father of Madchi, and he says, ah, oh, this is a drabonan. Good. So, in other words, he himself is not clear on what the proper position is. Toshma, ben chaver kohen. So, we have a parallel case. You have a chaver who's a kohen, and his son, who's able to eat trumot, kohen. His father and his mother are both kohanim, but his mother's father is a kohen alaretz, who does not care for truma v'tahara. Ein choshin shamechilana truma tmeha. The kid can go to his grandfather's house and eat truma. We're not concerned. His grandfather's going to feed him truma tmea. And here you can't employ dmai. Matzabia del perote mezakuklo. And if the kid is holding perote that he got from grandfather's house, you don't t- tell him to throw him away, whatever. So we, it seems that we allow a kid to violate adult right to eating truma tmea, and we don't do anything about it. The answer is truma derabana. That's always an easy thing to answer. It's talking about truma derabana. If it was truma del right, then indeed we would stop him. Again, we don't know. Toshmat. A, a child can be nursed by a non-Jewish woman, even even uh, they were used to nurse for animals, even from a behemoth We're not concerned that they're going to give him a shekets, which really would be a violation for him to do. We're not concerned about that. But you can't give him uh, these uh, non-kosher foods to eat. But the kid on his own can can nurse from them, even on Shabbat, which is a separate issue. Uvegadol asur, all right, but an adult may not. Abashol has a side point, which is we used to have the custom when we were kids of Dafka taking milk from a behemah tahora, from a cow, from another animal that's tahora that's kosher on Yom Tov. Yom Tov specifically not Shabbat. And we'll go back to that in a minute. And we're not concerned. When this kid is being fed by the non-Jewish woman, nursed by the non-Jewish woman, that she's also going to have him be yonik for shakets. So the answer is hatamishum sakana. The answer is that there, the kid really is in danger if he doesn't get his milk, and therefore we're lenient. So yachi godol nami. So if that's the case, then a godol should also be. And you said a godol's aser. The answer is godol bayum duna. Godol needs a doctor to look at him and say, is this kid really in trouble? Is this man really in trouble? Does he really need to have whatever milk they have? So katan nami li biyum duna. So a little kid should also need a diagnosis. The answer is a normal little kid is in the status of being misukan if he doesn't get milk, as opposed to an older person normally isn't. Therefore, unless the doctor says so, we don't, we don't, we're not lenient. Now, parenthetically, we used to directly suckle from a behematara and yom tov. So, what's the case? If these people were in danger and had nothing to eat, so, why are you saying Yom Tov even Shabbat? If they weren't in danger, you're not allowed to do that in Yom Tov. You're not allowed to do it in Yom Tov because milking or milking directly is itself is a malachav mefarek. Mefarek tavar mimasao. So, we're talking about a case where a person is somewhat in pain. 
And Rabbi Shalom ma- ma- maintained that nursing directly is It's not the normal fashion of doing it, and therefore it's a drabanan. So therefore, Shabbat is skila Shabbat, which if done in the full right manner, you encounter the death penalty. Gaz Rabbanan, the Rabbanan made exeron said kilachayad. We don't allow even if you're bitzar unless it's a sakana. Yom Tov, the Isr Lav, but Yom Tov, which is only a Lav, only relative to Shabbat, well, Gaz they didn't make the Gzeira. So we still do not, have not clarified whether a Katan who's violating the law must be stopped. Toshma, lo tochlum kishakatsem. Right? Pasuk and Shmini that kind of sums up a lot of the, uh, the Machalot Asurot. What is lo tochlum, lo ta'achilum? You should not feed them. Meaning elders to their children. So my Rav Damalu lo tochlu, doesn't that mean that the father has to say to his kid, don't eat it? Lo, the lo lisfu means he can't feed it to him. If the kid's eating it, he doesn't have to stop him. Of course, we're not talking about parents educating their children, that's a whole different story. We're talking about the Beitin is aware that there's a Katan who's eating uh, treif stuff. Do they have the responsibility to stop him? Toshma. And we now have the Isra of Achilatam. Now remember, one of the things about Sheketz is a Sheketz is a lav. On the other hand, a Sheketz has no shear. The smallest amount of Sheketz, Yechayab. Dam is karet, far more serious, but dam has a shear of revit. No one, none of you can eat dam, meaning even the gedolim have to make sure the tanim don't. So my love, dam, doesn't it mean they have to tell them not to eat? Again, they can't give it to them. Toshma, we have at the beginning of Parshat Emor, it says, Why Emor v'yamarta? To make, make sure that the elder koanim, make sure that the younger tanim don't uh, become tamay uh, b'meit. So my love, aren't we talking about where the elders tell the young kids, don't go to that funeral, don't touch that dead body? No, what it means is that the elders can't tell the young kid, here, you go handle the body. That they can't do. So now why do we need three psukim that tell us the same thing, that gudolim cannot um, push ktanim, but they may, but by implication, if the ktanim are involved in the violation, they don't have to stop them. Why di'i ashmi'inan... If you only had the pasuk about shkatsim, I would say mishum di isuran v'mashu. Yeah, kedolim can't give him taktanim because the isur is so chamur because even the smallest amount is. Well, dam da dikar but maybe dam there isn't a problem because dam is lighter because you're not chayiv till you have a revit. V'yashpin and dam and now let's flip it. If the Torah only said that the kedolim cannot give the taktanim dam, mishum di kareit. Sure, it's serious because there's kareit of all shratsim or shkatsim emalo. That's a lav. So I would think that it's not so serious. So now I need both. But I need have both. Why do I have Tuma? Because Shkotzim and Dam are something that all Jews have to avoid. Well, Tuma, Tuma, which is unique to Kohanim, maybe it's unique to Kohanim, it's only Kohanim who are men. It's, there's an ex- exception in the case of relatives, so maybe Kohanim are not a problem. Yashmi in Tuma, and if, let's say all I had was Tuma, so why don't I have Tuma and then Shkotzim and Dam and everything else will be obvious. I would say Kohanim Shanimishum Dribbahan Mitzvot Yeterot. Kohanim especially have all sorts of special mitzvot. So kids or Kohanim also. Special mitzvah of them staying away. Maybe that doesn't apply to regular Israel, staying away from tray food or for dam. So that's why I need all three of them. Toshma. Shneachin. So now let's go back to why we have this whole discussion about a katan, Ochel Nevelot, that started with the, the Rabbi Yitzhak Barbista losing his keys in Rashut Rabbim on Shabbat and without giving the advice to have Katanim go out and we'll just take a walk and if they find them and bring them, that's fine. Take a look at our Mishnayot. We're going to go through the first three cases. 
Um, two brothers, right? One is Abel, one is Cheresh, and they're married to two, two sisters who are Pikhot. That means that the Pikhot's marriage is a full door right to marriage. The Cheresh's marriage is weak. So if the Cheresh dies, then his wife uh, is excused because she's a Chotisha. Um, if the Pikhot dies, on the other hand, then what happens? What, what should the Cheresh do? He has to divorce his wife with the get that has, of course, the same strength as the Kiddushan that he had. And as we said in the Mishnah in the previous podcast, the, the Yivamai can never marry anybody because she can't marry him uh, because she's Achot uh, Grushato. And on the other hand, he can't give her Chalitza because a Cheresh. Now, let's start with the first wife. Why does he have to get rid of his wife? Let her live with him. Because after a call, he, this guy is a cheresh, he's not chayav mitzvot. So therefore, if he's violating a chod zekukato, okay, so uh, why, why are we forcing him out? The answer is, because she's also not allowed to, and she is fully capable, she's a pikachat. And therefore, uh, we have to enforce the divorce, so she doesn't violate the law. Okay, good, case two. Now the brothers are capable. They're married to two sisters, achat pikachat achat chereshet. Right, one is capable, one is not. Alright, so now, how does it play out? If the Pikeach, whose wife is a Cheresha, died, so then it's easy. So the Cheresha falls to her brother-in-law, so she's the sister of his wife. That's it, finished. But, if the Pikeach dies, what is the Pikeach, whose wife is a Cheresha, which means his Kiddushin are weak? What does he do? He has to divorce his wife. Again, that divorce is fine because he's a pikeach. He gives chalitza to his... Now, now, the question is, why does he have to divorce his wife? Or he. Let her stay with him. After all, she's a chereshet, and uh, so she's violating the law. The answer is, because he's got an iser. Now, it goes good. Now, I'm a Rav Watch this case. Case number three Neither one of them have an They're both Right? One of each married to one of each in their own kind. If the mute dies, so what happens? The Cheresh falls to the Pikach. That's easy. But if the Pikach dies, now what happens? The Pikach falls to the Cheresh, who's already married to her sister, the Cheresh. Same deal, he has to divorce his wife, the Chereshet, and the Pikachat now is stuck. Here, it's a Cheresh and a Chereshet, neither one of them is Chayev Doraita in any of this, and why are we forcing them to get divorced? Here, you can't give the answer before, his is or her is or here, there's neither one of them. It's a precaution against being Matar Yuvam because what's going to happen? If they see that this guy continues to live with his wife, they will assume then that the sister is mutter because of achotishto, and therefore they're going to have uh, they're going to allow her to marry. And indeed, she's not allowed to marry because she's never been released because his relationship with the chereshit was too weak, and this zika interfered with it. In the next podcast, we will start the fifteenth parak, Haisha Shahalcha. Everybody should have a wonderful day.